Before we begin this morning, I want to I read a passage of Scripture that we just sang a few minutes ago. It's found in Psalms 103. God's Word says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits. God gives a benefit package to His children. Amen? Listen to it. Who pardons all your iniquities. He pardons all our sins. Okay? That's the sin kind of sin, the rebellion kind of sin, and the iniquitous kind of sin. That's, that's all three kinds of sin that, that Scripture talks about. He pardons all our iniquities. He heals all our diseases. How many? All. Who redeems your life from the pit. You've ever been in the pit? Maybe you're in the pit right now. It says He redeems, He rescues, He saves, He delivers. That's what the word means. He crowns you. He lifts you up. He lifts you out of your sin. He lifts us out of our diseases. He lifts us out of our pits. And He crowns us with loving kindness. And that's the Old Testament word for grace. It's the Old Testament word kessed. It means grace. It means, uh, it means loving kindness without End and compassion, not judgment, not anger, compassion, who satisfies your years with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. That means as we get older, we don't have to be broken down, okay? I remember when I was 15, 16, sometimes I don't move like that anymore. I think I can, but Scripture says He renews that. He renews us. He gives us new life within us. I don't know if you realize this or not, but what goes on in the physical realm always mirrors what's going on in the spiritual realm. Okay? There's a lot of noise today. Okay? In the physical realm. That's just a dog that's barking, okay? But it just mirrors what's going on in the spiritual realm. God has something. I'm going to talk about obedience today. Okay? And obedience is one of those things that the enemy doesn't want us to do. We can come to church, we can read our Bible, we can sing, we can lift our hands, we can help the, the poor, we can do all those things, but if we're not obedient, none of that stuff matters. And so, the enemy doesn't want us to hear it today. He wants to, he wants to, pull, he wants to create chaos, okay? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to tell the dog to be quiet in Jesus' name, Okay? And, you know, I, I, I'm serious about that. We're going to tell the dog to be quiet in Jesus' name. And we're going to shut the mouth of the enemy, okay? We're just going to shut his mouth this morning. We don't have to hear it. I mean, we walk in the authority of Jesus Christ, yes or no? I mean, he says, I give you authority. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I give you authority. So if we don't use it, whatever we don't, we don't use, we endure, Okay? Now, I can preach with the dog barking, so it's not going to bother me, but I want your spirit to hear what God's spirit is saying this morning, okay? I don't want the enemy to create chaos in your spirit. 
So we're just going to pray, and we're going to see what God has to say. Father, we thank you this morning that you have given us your love. And Father, you want us to hear what you have to say. So in Jesus' name, Lord, we take the authority you have given us, and we just exercise it. It's not our authority, it's your authority. You have authority in heaven and in earth and underneath the earth. So you have authority over everything, both visible and invisible. Everything that was created, you created it, so you have authority over it. So this morning, we take your authority, and in Jesus' name, we command these, these, these dogs to be quiet in Jesus' name. We command them in Jesus' name. And Lord, we also speak to the enemy and to those spirits he sent on assignment this morning to Eagle's Wing to cause chaos and confusion. Father, we bind that in Jesus' name and we silence that. He has no voice in this place. Only the Holy Spirit has a voice here. So Holy Spirit, we ask you now to speak. We ask you to teach us what you want us to hear. Lord, not the words that I have to say, but we want to hear your voice. We want to hear your words. So Lord, we ask you to speak in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been in a study for the last several weeks about keys to the kingdom, bringing heaven to earth. And we've, we've talked about how there are keys that Jesus taught his disciples. One of the things that growing up, and, I, and I, I please hear my heart. I don't say this. I don't say this in a condemning way. I don't say this in a judgmental way. But I heard every sermon I ever heard growing up was a salvation message. Okay, and and I, Jesus preached salvation, and I believe every passage can can share the plan of salvation. But Jesus didn't preach salvation. That's not all he preached. He also once he got people into the kingdom. He taught them how to live into the kingdom. And so I grew into an adult, and man, I could, I could take every passage in Scripture and share the gospel with it. I just know what it meant. I, I didn't know how to live the Christian life. I had no clue. And so I lived in condemnation. I lived in fear. I lived in guilt. I lived in shame. God's not going to love me. God's not going to, you know, if I don't do this, God's not going to be happy. You know, and God was this ogre in heaven who had lightning bolts on his fingertips and he was just waiting for me to trip and fall so he could French fry me, okay? That's not the God of Scripture. Jesus taught us how to live. I mean, his message of salvation was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. I'm here. He took care of everything that needed to be done for that salvation uh, to come. He died on a cross and he was resurrected. So in his resurrection and in his death, we, we were our salvation was bought and paid for. And he offers it. He gives it. It's a gift. We don't do anything to earn it or deserve it. But, but I just didn't get that, okay? All I got was, you know, this book's got a lot of good stories in it. I just don't understand what any of them have to do with where I'm at or what I'm doing. Until God began to, to shake my heart and begin to show me that, that everything Jesus said has a point. He just, he's not just telling stories. He's not just using illustrations. He's not just sitting on a rock or in a boat teaching just for the heck of it. He's teaching 
his followers how to live. He's pouring his life into a group of men and women so that when he was gone, they could continue his work until he returned. We are a continuation of that group. Amen? Y'all are looking at me like on Nelson. I don't know where you're going, but just... I say all of that because there are some passages of Scripture that I have heard taught and I've heard uh, preached. And, and they were, the, the people that did it, did it with the right heart. There was no motive of, of, of you know, wickedness or anything like that. The only problem was it just wasn't exactly what Jesus meant when he was teaching it. Does that make sense? Now, listen, I've done the same thing. So, I'm, you know... But, but I, as I was studying, and as I've been studying for this series, and, and I had learned this previously, the, the, the Sermon on the Mount is really how to live the Christian life. That's, that's what it's all about. It's not something future that will all miraculously go poof and start living that way. It's, it's, it's like medicine. They practice medicine. Okay? We need to practice Christianity. I heard somebody say that this morning. I'm practicing it. Well, I am too. I'm practicing it. And when Jesus was, was there on, the, on that side of that hill there in, uh, on the Sea of Galilee, and he was teaching, he was teaching the heart of God. And he, he clearly told his followers there that they were to be salt and light. That's in Matthew chapter 5, 13 and 14. They're, they were to be salt and light. And, and literally, if we put it in our language today, what he was saying is, is that they were to be, and we are to be, the Savior's flashing billboard to the lost and dying world. We're, we're to be his advertisements of what he looks like, what he acts like, what he, he has to say. I mean, we, we're, we're his marketing system. Okay, if you want to put it in just 21st century terms, we're his marketing system for the kingdom of God. When someone someone looks at me and when they look at you, they're supposed to see Jesus. Well, that's probably the last person they see when they look at me. Don't, Don't go there, okay? Just don't go there. This is not about condemnation. We don't do that here, okay? I'm I'm not a condemnation preacher. That's just reality. When the Christians, well, Christian came from a derogatory term that the people in Antioch used to poke fun at a group that was meeting, that followed the way. They called them Christians. That word means little Christ. They're like Jesus. That's what they were saying. And folks, that term has stuck. And, and we call ourselves Christians. It means we are little Christs. We are to look like and act like, talk like, and think like Jesus. Now, none of us gets it right 100% of the time. Amen? But that's our goal. That's what Jesus is doing to take us to that place. The Scripture says He's transforming us. He's conforming us to the image of Christ, which means He's pressing us into a mold. Jesus on the bottom, Jesus on the top. We're the Oreo white in the middle, okay? And he's pressing. And one of these days, that mold's going to snap shut. And when it does, everything that ain't Jesus is going to be gone. 
And when it opens back up, I'm going to get up, you're going to get up, and I'm going to look, talk, smell, act. And we're just going to be Jesus all over me, okay? Right now, we're in the pressing stage, okay? And let's just be honest, it hurts, doesn't it? I mean, it hurts bad. The reason is he's pressing out what's not of him, okay? We're all in that mode. We're all being pressed. He says we're to be salt, we're to be light. Salt makes people thirsty. And when I was in high school, you know what they gave us when we were dehydrated? Salt tablets. I look back at that and I think, why? <laughs> now they drink water, okay? And, I, and eat ice and Gatorade. But salt makes a person thirsty and it draws them to the water that they so desperately need. Light illuminates. It illuminates the darkness and what it does is it, it attracts those that are desperate. God's called us to be conduits of His grace. He's called us uh, to show that grace to the world because His grace is the only hope people that are lost have. Folks, His grace comes not because we do something to deserve it and not because we can do something to merit it or or to qualify for it or because we're good enough or we deserve it. It comes because He offers it freely. But the reality of it is you and I play a vital part in that grace being offered once we come to Christ. We play a part in God's grand rescue plan that He has. And we do it by being obedient. We do it by being righteous and we do it by performing good works. Now, what I'm calling this today is the obedient key, okay? And we're going to talk about obedience and we're going to talk about good works and we're going to talk about righteousness, okay? About all I knew growing up about righteousness is I didn't have any because the pastor said I didn't. I heard over and over and over that I was a dirty, rotten, stinking sinner. Okay? And I I understand that. In and of myself, there is nothing righteous in me. And no matter how hard I try, no matter how good I am, I just can't manufacture anything. Now listen to this. Anything that God would accept. That doesn't mean I can't do good things. It just means God's not going to accept it in payment for my sin. Okay? So we're going to learn some things this morning, I think. And we're going to, hopefully, this will set you free. And it will clarify some things. And and I'll I'll mention some of this. The Bible is very clear. Very clear. That no person can become righteous on their own. They can't be right. And just on their own before God. In other words, nobody's going to get to heaven and stand before the great scale. And the good stuff they did is going to outweigh the bad stuff. It's just, it's not going to happen, okay? That's just garbage theology. You can toss that in the garbage cans to the side or on your way out as you leave. It's not going to happen. God's not going to weigh you. I'm sorry, you're, you're found wanting Please get in the line that heads that way. It's not going to happen, okay? There's nothing we can do in and of ourselves to gain eternal life. It's a gift. 
Okay? Let me say that again. It's a gift that God gives. And it's based not on our righteousness, but on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Okay? If you don't get anything else, the key today is if you know Jesus and He's your Savior, He has given you His righteousness in exchange for all the stuff you've got. Okay? Now, we couldn't pay the price. So Jesus did. I've asked this probably here before. I've asked it a number of times in different places. But when someone goes to hell, how long will they be there? Forever. What are they doing there? They're suffering. They're paying for their sins. How long are they going to be there? Forever. Now what does that say? You can't pay, you don't want to go there. <laughs> That's good. But it, it also says, this is just, this is just, this is just thinking, being rational. If I'm going to be there forever, I can't pay for my sins. Okay? We can't pay for our sins, folks. And in an eternity in hell, we'll not pay for them. Jesus paid for them. One sacrifice on the cross paid for the sins of the world. There are people who are going to be in hell not because they sinned, okay? But because they didn't access the payment that had been made for them. Because they didn't turn to Jesus and declare, Lord, you are Lord. I can't do this. Only you can do this. God's not going to send anybody to hell. The, the hell was prepared, Scripture says, for the devil and his angels. Read Matthew. Read what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said. It wasn't prepared for us. Those that go there will go there because they would not accept the payment. They would not cash the check. They would not spend the money that Jesus put in their account. I know all the this theology and that theology, but that's just bottom line scripture right there. Okay, that's what scripture teaches. We couldn't pray the price, so Jesus did. And and through that gift of salvation, through the experience of being born again, through faith in Jesus, our unrighteousness is taken away. And we're given in exchange. The righteousness of Christ. In that moment where we come to Christ, when the Holy Spirit does that, that work of, 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 of birthing us into the kingdom of God, there's an exchange that takes place. All the garbage I bring with me gets dumped. And all the holiness that Jesus brings with Him gets dumped. But it doesn't get dumped in the same place. It gets dumped on me. It gets dumped on you. He gives us His righteousness. So when, when God looks at you and when He looks at me, He no longer sees bumbling, stumbling Nelson. He sees Jesus. He sees Kathy. He sees Gerald. He sees Jesus. He doesn't see us. He sees Jesus. Folks, it's in Christ's righteousness that we are made acceptable to God. Everything we have through salvation comes in Christ. You've, you've seen me do that illustration, but being in Christ is being, here's me, 
Here's Jesus. From the moment I came to Christ, that's where he put me. And that's where I will stay throughout eternity. Okay? So, I enjoy the righteousness of Christ. I don't enjoy my own righteousness. I don't have to worry about it so much anymore to get it right so that I'll measure up to God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this. He. Who's He? Well, it's God the Father. God the Father made Him. Who's Him? Jesus Christ. God the Father made Jesus Christ who knew no sin to be sin in our behalf that we might become, listen to this, the righteousness of God in Him. In Christ. Folks, a right standing with God, which is righteousness. That's what, that's what righteousness is. A right standing with God is something that Jesus gives. Now, Having said that, he still calls the citizens of the kingdom, he still calls his children to obey him and to do works of righteousness, to do good works. We all know Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. But I want you to listen to what verse 10 says. This won't be on the screen. This will be one you might want to go look up this afternoon and get it fixed in your mind. Verse 10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. In other words, we're, the craftsman has made us. He's formed us. And folks... Those works that, that we're to do are works He's already planned for us before the foundation of the world, before we were ever saved. He already had them planned out, and now we're to walk in them. I don't mess your theology up right there. Now, that's not a contradiction. Jesus is not speaking out of both sides of his mouth. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is teaching his disciples, those who belong to him then, and those who belong with him now, and those who are walking with him. He's teaching them about how to live the Christian life. This is not about salvation. The Sermon on the Mount is not about salvation. It's about what to do after you get saved. How to live after you become a, a, a citizen of the kingdom. Listen, obedience is not a salvation issue. We don't get saved because we obey God. Y'all with me? Because you can't obey God if you're not saved. Salvation, or excuse me, obedience, is a discipleship issue. And it's a discipleship issue that opens a lot of doors in the kingdom of God. Obedience doesn't make you more acceptable to God. It doesn't make Him love you more. Okay? It just shows that you love Him. Let me say that again. Obedience doesn't make you more acceptable to God. It, it, won't make, it won't make Him love you more. He loves you enough that He sent His Son, Jesus, to die for you when you and I were still sinners. 
So there's no question how much he loves us. It's, the question is really how much do we love him? Am I willing to obey him? Folks, Jesus did everything. He did what was completely necessary so that you and I could enjoy God's unconditional love. But even though we've been given the righteousness of Christ, it doesn't negate our responsibility to obey Christ. And in obeying Christ, to do works of righteousness, to do good things, to do what is right. That, I mean, that's just the word right there. Uh, to do what is right. That means righteous works. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, 16. He said, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works. Now, if we stopped right there, that would be where most of the church stops. Okay? But he didn't stop there. He said, so that they, in a, such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Our obedience through good works glorifies God. Because it points to the goodness and the grace of God actively alive and working in our lives. It's, it's salt and it's light. When we do something that's right, okay? The bulb glows. The salt is salty. People notice it. They think, hmm, wonder what's going on with that person. Why'd they do that? And most people will ask you, okay? Because it's such a shock for them to see something like that. Most people walk by, never look to the right or to the left. Wouldn't help somebody if they're bleeding to death. God's called us to be salt and life. To do those works of righteousness. We talked about it week before last. Water and, 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 and drink and, and, and thirst and, and, and hunger and all those kind of things. Here's what I'm trying to get to as to this passage. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 through 20, and this is where I'm going to spend the rest of my time today, and I'm going to have to hurry up. Jesus, Jesus said this. He said, don't think I came to abolish the law and the prophets. Don't, don't think I came to do away with the Old Testament. That's what, that's what the Jews call the law and the prophets. That was their, their phrase, their terminology for the Old Testament. Don't think I came to do away with the law and the prophets. I didn't come to abolish it, but to fulfill it. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass away from the law. The stroke he's talking about there is, is one of the little things like that on a Jewish letter. The, 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 the letter is the iota. It's not actually, it's the yod. It's what it is. In Greek it would be the iota. But it's, it's kind of like a dot almost. He said, not even the smallest one will pass away until all is accomplished. Whoever annuls one of the least of these commandments and so teaches others shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Now listen to what he says here. Okay? He says, whoever annuls, whoever sets aside one of these commandments and so teaches others shall be called the least in the kingdom of God. He didn't say shall lose their salvation. 
All right? He said they shall be the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called the great, be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And then he says this, For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall enter, not enter the kingdom of God. Man, you know, I read that and I go, all of that sounds a bit confusing. Hmm. I don't quite get what's Jesus talking about. And you know what? That's where most Christians are confused. And it's because of the confusion with works and with grace and obedience and works of righteousness and imputed righteousness. That imputed means we are given Jesus' righteousness, okay? But because of all that, we got a lot of confused Christians. Amen? It's all right. I'm confused sometimes about it. I read this passage and I think, you know what? I got to do better than the Pharisees did. Okay, hang with me and I'll tell you what Jesus meant there. All right? But you know what happens? Confused Christians create chaotic churches in a world that's already confrontational. If we don't know what's going on, how can we expect them to know what's going on? If we're in chaos and we're in confusion, guess what? They're certainly not going to care for us. In other words, we're not very big, good billboards, okay? We're not very good billboards. But there's a key to the kingdom here that I think will literally bring heaven to earth every time you use it. And it's very simple, and it'll change how you do things and why you do what you do. Now, I don't know that it'll be up on the board. It might be. Uh, but here's the principle. Our obedience in the kingdom demonstrates the depth of our love for God. We're not doing good works so that we can get the holy check marked and so elevate a little bit above our friends or the people we go to church with. We're not doing good works because we're afraid that if, if we don't do this, God's going to hit us with a lightning bolt. We're, we're not doing them for that. We're doing them because they demonstrate, Jesus, I love you. Here's what Jesus said. Y'all heard me quote this over and over. I can't get this verse out of my mind. It's in, it's in, it's in uh, John chapter 14. But Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my command. You will do what I say. The opposite of that's true. If you don't love me, you'll do what you want to do. You won't do what I say. And so what happens is we, we come to this, this passage and and. Our obedience in the kingdom demonstrates the depth of our love for God. Now listen to me. I didn't say our obedience earns us more of God's love or favor. That's not what I said. I said our obedience demonstrates our love for the king. Jesus never said that he'd love us more if we did what he said. He never taught that. But sadly, most Christians... Believe that. Okay? If I pinned you into a corner and wouldn't let you out until you just broke down and told me the truth, I'm going to go nine out of ten people in this building would, would, when pressed against the wall would voice something like that. Okay? Jesus never taught that. Jesus is not teaching in this passage that our righteousness has to exceed the scribes and the Pharisees. He's teaching us that their system, 
Their system of personal righteousness, their system of religious works that they so believed in and believed that it would make them pure and acceptable to God, he's teaching us that their system does not work. And if their system doesn't work, we're going to have to have a better system than they had. That's what he's teaching there. That's what he's trying to show there. Folks, that system that they followed is the same system that's ingrained in most believers. If I can just do this, God won't be mad at me. If I just do this, God won't be mad at me. Look, the devil still attacks me. If you were a Christian, you wouldn't have said that. You wouldn't have thought that. You wouldn't have done that. Now, what does the Bible say about the devil? He's a liar, and he has been from the beginning. And as Junior Hill once said, I heard him say it, that every time the devil speaks, he lies. So if he's a liar, why listen to him? Okay, if he's talking to you, he's lying. You say, well, sometimes he says true things. He sure does, but he twists them. And they're lies. Okay? Now, he's not teaching in this passage that, that we have to be perfect. He's teaching us that the system that we have built our lives around won't work. And so Jesus comes to install a new system. Because they had taken the first system and corrupted it. See, Jesus, God didn't give them the law so that they could keep it and become perfect. God gave them the law to show them that they were reprobates and sinners and had no hope apart from His grace. That's just, that's all that the law was to do. It showed them what sin was. It didn't have an answer for sin. See, Jesus was, was, I mean, God was revealing. It was a revelation, an ongoing revelation. And when Jesus shows up, He's the sacrifice. He, he's the one that can pay the price. So, if we can't pay for our own sins, and we can't please God, and we can't earn favor with God, and we can't get a better acre in heaven based on what we do, then let's put that belief to bed. Okay? Let's put it in a garbage can. Let's, let's let it go. It won't work. Amen? Whew. I've spent 40 minutes trying to convince you. And I realize 40 minutes won't convince you of a lifetime of, of, of believing something. Okay? But God said it. Listen. Let's learn why obedience and our righteous works do matter and why they are necessary so that people can see them. When lost people see, or let me say it this way, when lost people want to see what Jesus looks like, they do one of two things. They read the Bible or they look at us. Most of them don't read the Bible. So where do they get their picture of Jesus from? Us. Us. Guess what? God knew that. That's why He saved us. That's why He put His Spirit in us. So that we could live out the life of Jesus to the men and the women around us. To the boys and the girls. When we obey Christ, when we obey His commandments, 
Folks, it demonstrates what's in here. Listen to me. If it's not in here, it's not going to come out out here. The same's true in what we don't do. If we refuse to obey, you know what? Actions speak loud and clear. I've, I've heard this all my life, that actions speak louder than words. God's not the only person watching us. Our children are watching us. Our neighbors are watching us. The people we work with, that we shop with, everywhere we go, someone is watching us. And listen, if I'm mean and angry and belligerent and impatient and judgmental, and if I drive down the highway waving at people the wrong way, y'all know what I'm talking about. You know what it says? I don't love you. And number two, if they know anything about me, and and the vast majority of people that see the worst things that I can do, do know, it says, you know what, Jesus doesn't love you either. So where'd you get that? I'm a billboard for Jesus. I saw a truck last night at UAB. It was a billboard on the side of a truck. It was, it was advertising Wild Bill's fireworks or something. I mean, it was just grand. It was, in, it was in color. And I thought to myself, that's us. Everywhere we go, we're a billboard. Okay? We're salt and we're light. And the commandment, uh, our obedience to what Jesus demands, our, our, our righteous works, the things we do in response to the command of Jesus, the needs we see, the leading of the Holy Spirit, they communicate a very loud and a very clear message. Jesus loves you. And when I do the right thing and when I respond correctly in a situation, it tells people this would ha- is how Jesus would respond if he were here physically. But he's not, and we are. How we act, how we behave, how we interact with people either affects them positively or negatively. Folks, the, the commandments of Scripture are real clear. I don't, I don't have to preach on that this morning. It, it, it tells us how we're supposed to act and how we're supposed to respond in, a, in, a, in a situations. If a person truly loves Jesus, you know what? They're not going to worship another god they're not going to take the lord's name in vain they're not going to make an idol if a person truly loves god they're not going to steal they're not going to uh, commit murder or adultery or give false witness or covenant stuff from our neighbor because our neighbor is made in the image and the likeness of god if a person truly loves god their moment by moment actions will be active demonstrations of what jesus taught And folks, the person that doesn't really love Jesus as deeply as they might claim won't do that. You struggle to obey, it's not an obedience issue, it's a love issue. It may even be an identity issue. Belief is proved by our actions. When we disregard or we we ignore what God commands, we're teaching those around us who don't know God the wrong way to behave. Folks, When we look out our doors and we see what's walking the streets, we're responsible for that. You may not think that, but we are. We've not been salt and we've not been light. What we've done is we've annulled the commandments. 
And what happens is when we annul those things, it diminishes our position in the kingdom. It shuts the doors that were meant to be open to us so that we could find what we needed and find the provisions we desperately need in our journey. Because we love little and we don't obey, little, uh, we, don't obey we have access to little. And listen to me, the testimony of too little, too late, is the testimony of the church in most ages. They did too little, too late. But listen, when we obey God, when we step out into those places of faith and obedience to the call of Christ, when we recognize a a need and respond biblically, when we stand up for something that the Scriptures teach, and we do it in a Christ-like way, We fulfill the law of Christ. We fulfill the law of love. You know, Jesus is not talking, when he talks about obedience here, he's not talking about a forced, dogmatic obedience that simply does the minimum to get by. If you obey just because you think you're going to get hit by a lightning bolt, that's the minimum level of obedience in the Christian life. It's the least amount I've fulfilled my obligations. I'm okay. I did what God said. That's not the love of a son or a daughter. Okay? That's not the love of a citizen of the kingdom. That's not how a son or a daughter reacts. That's how a slave reacts. That's how a prisoner who is, who is in chains and who's being forced to act, that's how they act. They, they, they do it because they have to. We're not slaves. We're not prisoners. We're sons and daughters. I I want you to say that with me. I am a son. I am a daughter. If you're a daughter, say I'm a daughter. If you're a son, say I'm a son. I am a son. Okay? We're not slaves. We're free in Christ. The one who loves much understands the depth of their forgiveness. The one who loves little, who does the minimum, has no clue Or they don't really know Jesus. That's the only two options that a person has. They either don't understand. And you know what? If you don't understand, you can learn. But if you don't know Jesus, the only way you're going to learn is to come into a relationship with Him. And that's the cold, hard facts. I didn't make that up. Jesus said that. God never intended for us to live out the letter of the law, to major on the do's and the don'ts, to be known. uh, The church was never meant to be known as we don't do that. Okay? You ask somebody, describe the church for me. They don't do this. They don't do that. That's what lost people would tell you. That's not what God did. He never intended to be rigid, mechanical, and to be built into a code. That wasn't the intent of the law of God. The intent of the law of God was to show us that we're sinners. To show us that we fall short and that we desperately need Jesus. That we can't be righteousness or or we can't be righteous on our own or do enough without His help. That's the reason Jesus came. He came to fulfill the law. That means He came to complete it. He obeyed it perfectly. And then He interpreted it through a grid of obedience and action that we could understand. Jesus died to do that. And we're to live to show that He did it. To flesh out Jesus to the world. to see So that they can see our obedience and our works of righteousness. And that fulfills the intent of God's law. Through grace and mercy. We show the grace and mercy that we have been shown. That's why... Jesus said to, to Simon when he, when he went to eat in his house. 
He asked him that question. Who loves more? The one that's been forgiven much or a little? Even old Pharisee Simon knew the answer to that. The one I guess, I guess the one that loves much. Listen, if you understand how much you've been forgiven, you will love much. Much. Folks, every Christian is a billboard who either draws people to Christ or repels people away from Christ. You know what? The words and the pictures on that billboard are drawn and they're spelled out in the acts of our obedience, our works of righteousness. Later in this passage, Jesus begins to talk about uh, the commandments that they were so hung up on. He says things like, you've heard it said. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't make vows you can't keep. An eye for an eye. Love your neighbor. But then Jesus would say, you've heard it said, but I say, don't even call a person a fool. Don't even look at, with, at, a, at, a, at a woman with lust. Don't let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't just love your neighbor, love your enemy. You see what he's saying? He's saying, don't just stop here. Take it to here. When Jesus fulfilled the law, that's what he did. So we're not, we're not keeping the law. We're following the model of Jesus. He takes it to the next level. And that's what I'm talking about today. Don't think that the least is something we ought to be patted on the back for. Because it gets you nowhere in the kingdom of God. We have to take our obedience to a higher level where we become Jesus. I know that may bother you. But we are supposed to be Jesus in this world. Well, I'm not Jesus. Well, does Jesus live in you? Yes. Well, then you carry Jesus with you. We're to be Jesus to people that don't know what Jesus looks like. We're to be Jesus to people that don't know what Jesus would say. We're to be Jesus. We're a billboard in whatever situation we face because Jesus lives in us. When Jesus talks about righteous works, He's talking about right works in the right situation done with the right motive. That's what he's talk- That's all He's talking about. The right situation with the right motive and the right thing that needed to be done. And when we do that, it's a simple act of unconditional love. And it demonstrates not just that I love that person, but that I really love Jesus. Because I'm not doing it for that person, in a sense. I'm doing it because I love Jesus. When I serve people, I'm serving Jesus. When I love people, I'm really loving Jesus. Folks, we get all caught up into doing things to get something. Amen? Let's just be honest. Most of us do certain things to get what we want. Okay? Genuine love for someone gives. Never takes. It gives. Unconditional love always gives. For God so loved the world that He gave. When, it, when we go after something to get something, which is what the Pharisees were doing, everything they did was to get them a higher seat, a better place in the, in the world to come. When we do that, it ceases to be love and it becomes conditional. 
Folks, our total obedience to Jesus in any given situation when done without fear or guilt or shame or coercion or selfish pride is an act of unconditional love. It's obedience. And listen to me, there's no such thing as partial obedience. If you're not obedient, you're disobedient. Okay? In the kingdom of God, obedience demonstrates the depths of one's love for the king. If there's no obedience, there's no depth. And without love, there's no relationship. I'm going to close and I want to read this verse. It's found in John chapter 14, verse 21. This is what Jesus said. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he who obeys me, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me shall be loved by my Father. And I will love him. And I will disclose, I will reveal myself to him. Folks, if we just will simply obey what the Holy Spirit tells us to do, that billboard that we're carrying around will get clear and precise, and people will see far more than they think than we think they see. They'll see Jesus. They'll know what Jesus looks like. See, Jesus doesn't look like the the, the cherub with his head turned about like this, with, with long reddish-brown hair and the little halo and pale white skin with a little rouge on that all of us saw. That he, he didn't look like that, okay? Scripture teaches, and if you don't believe me, just read it. You wouldn't have... There was nothing about him that stood out. He was just average-looking guy. There was nothing... I mean, he didn't float above the ground. He had no halo that followed him everywhere he went. There weren't angels... Sweeping stuff out of the way for him. He was just a regular person. He looked like us. Okay? He had nothing that attracted people to him based on his looks. It was God. It was, it was what he said. It was the authority with which he spoke. They saw God when they saw Jesus. And folks... I can't speak for you, okay? Nor do, am I going to try. But there's nothing about me that attracts people to me. In fact, if there's anything, I probably repel most people because I look like a booger, okay? <laughs> but if I'll just do what Jesus tells me to do, they won't see me. They'll see Jesus. If I'll just be kind and gentle, and I will speak words of affirmation, not condemnation. They'll hear Jesus. And you know what? The Holy Spirit will use that somehow to introduce them to the Jesus I represent. And you know what? He'll do that with you as well. Obedience is one of the most important keys in the kingdom. Because when we obey... When we do what God tells us to do, when the Holy Spirit leads us and we obey, it says, Jesus, I love you. I love you with all my heart. And folks, I'm going to tell you, when you love Jesus with all your heart, 
and you demonstrate it through your obedience, He's drawn to that. I mean, He'll get up in your grill. Okay? I don't know it another way. He'll be right here. All right? Right where you want Him to be. He won't seem like He's a million miles away. He'll be right here. And you'll start to talk like Jesus. You'll start to look like Jesus. You remember that illustration a while ago of the mole that's pressing down? It'll, it'll move quicker. <laughs> okay? It'll move quicker. And the situation you work in will change. And the household you live in will change. And your relationship with your children, whether they're little or grown and gone, will change. Why? Because Jesus just stepped into that circumstance, stepped into that situation. And wherever Jesus is, everything changes. Everything is changed. When Jesus touches something, it's changed. Okay? He's chosen to use us. We're His conduits. Okay? Some of us need a rotor-rooter machine to unstop whatever it is that's stopping the water from flowing. Okay? Some of us just need to obey. I don't know what God's calling you to do. I don't know what the issue in your life is this morning. But no is not the answer. And but. But God. But God. That's not the answer. Yes. Yes, God. I'll obey you. I'll do what you say. Listen to me. When we say yes, God blesses. When we say no, God sits down. How many of you realize that God is eternal? Which means what? He's got lots more time than we got. So if you think you can outweigh Him, you got another problem. Okay, and I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it's the spirit of stupid, all right? You can't outweigh God. When God says do this, just do it. Just obey. And as long as you will obey, God will walk with you up. When we say no, God sits down and that's where you stay. Okay? You don't climb another step. You don't go in. God never gives you something else to do unless you do what he gave the last thing he gave you to do. Okay? Now, I'm going to say no more. I'm going to pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to move in our lives. And we'll be gone. Okay? Father, this morning. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.